0: From the Brooklyn Paper Building in beautiful downtown Brooklyn, America's downtown, Uh, this is a special edition of Brooklyn Paper Radio, a special Friday morning edition of Brooklyn Paper Radio. I see my... There he is. He's working hard. Eric Hercules on the board, making sure my voice sounds good. Do I sound good out there? Everything's good? He's giving me the heads up. He's giving me me the thumbs up. The thumbs up. So we have a very special edition today. Um, We have in studio... To talk about his campaign to unseat uh, State Senator Marty Golden in uh, Bay Ridge and uh, all the way out to uh, Mill Basin Marine Park is Andrew Gnardis. And uh, with me in the studio is Deputy Editor of our Southern Brooklyn Papers, uh, Bill Egbert. Bill? hi ho Yep. Yeah. And, of course, our political columnist, uh, Julianne Cuba. Hi. There she is. And uh, way down at the end there, our uh, Southern Brooklyn reporter, Julianne McShane. Hi. There she is. Okay. So that's how we, that way you can get a feel for their voices. You know, now I'm going to introduce uh, Mr. gunardis who was born and raised in Bay Ridge. He graduated from Fort Hamilton High School. He went to Hunter College. He went to George Washington University Law School. Uh, he was working for former councilman Vincent Gentilli. He worked for the Citizens Committee for New York City. That's an organization that provides neighborhood improvement grants to community groups across the... So can you tell I'm reading this? Can anyone tell? Does this sound mm-hmm. natural? It sounds like it's memorized. That's Off a, the cuff, yeah. <laughs> and Gunardis is also the co-founder of Bay Ridge Cares. That's an organization that provides community members with emergency assistance, uh, which they did a lot of after Hurricane Sandy, I believe. Uh, he served on Bay Ridge Community Board 10. Uh, he served as legal counsel for the uh, Bay Ridge storefront art walk. I don't know what that means exactly, but it sounds <laughs> impressive. And uh, he's uh, he was a former president of the Bay Ridge Historical Society. Hmm. The Bay Ridge Historical Society. Does the Bay Ridge Historical Society work a lot with the Brooklyn Historical Society? They get along, or they're they constantly.
1: That's a question for another podcast. I think that's that was a uh, a tension that we had sometimes <laughs> during my stewardship of the organization. <laughs>
0: Well, listen. Uh, the winner, the winner tells the tale, right? Yes, you know that's uh,
1: that's that's who rules. All right, but it's not my tale to tell. All right, <laughs> and right
0: now he is a uh, he works as counsel for Borough President Eric Adams, but most importantly now he is running for the seat out in uh, Bay Ridge and uh, Diker Heights. So I wanted to uh, welcome. It is part of Diker Heights, right? Yep. And uh, I like I always like to say Marine Park and Mill Basin because it's, it's it's kind of a. It's kind of a weird stretch of uh, is. land. How, but what, what areas are you covering out there? What so it's
1: um, it's a huge swath of southern Brooklyn. It's Bay Ridge, Dyker Heights, Bensonhurst, Bath Beach, Gravesend, Homecrest, Midwood, Sheepshead Bay, uh, Manhattan Beach, Marine Park, and Garrison Beach. So we stop just short of Mill Basin, but we do go as far east as uh, Flatbush Island. But you don't
0: Avenue. go to Coney Island? No Coney Island. You avoid Coney Island?
1: No Coney Island, no, Coney Island, no Brighton Beach. Um, and chunks of Bensonhurst cut out of the district conveniently, but it's uh, still interesting a large that
0: you should point that out because this seems like, and I believe it was what what we call the Marty Golden district. Now, this was a district that back I don't know how many years ago it was when they redistricted. They basically set up uh, a seat that they, I guess, they felt would go to a Republican. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, this goes back to two thousand and two. Wow. They, this is a brand, This was a brand new district drawn in two thousand and two for Marty Golden specifically because he was challenging then-State Senator uh, Vincent Gentile. Oh, time. that's
0: right. Gentile was in office. I remember all this because I was there as a young cub reporter covering the election of Vincent Gentile when he was uh, he was going up against two people. It was Robert DiCarlo, Bob DiCarlo, fighting Bob DiCarlo, who loved to walk around Bay Ridge with giant checks. He always had giant checks. And um, John Gangemi, who was being backed at the time by... Uh, by Guy Molinari on Staten Island. Mm-hmm. And Guy Molinari told me, in confidence, that uh, that Bob DiCarlo was not the person to be the state senator in Bay Ridge because Bob DiCarlo refused to shovel the walk at the senior center mm-hmm. when Guy Molinari asked him to. And that's what happened. That's what turned the whole thing around. But uh, Gentile ended up winning the seat with more than 50% of the vote, which, yep. was, which was quite interesting because they thought that it was just going to be the two Republicans battling it out and then Gentilly kind of sneaking in, but he ended up getting more than 50 percent of vote, which is just an interesting point because in southern Brooklyn, a lot of people say it's Republican, but it turns out that there's, uh, I think, Julianne um, Cuba or McShane, either one of you, th- you guys know, like, do you know the numbers? How many is it? Do the Democrats outnumber the Republicans out there?
2: By more than double, correct? In terms of. I'm going to read. Sorry, sorry. Yes. By more than double in terms of registered Absolutely, Democrats. But
0: all that being said, there tends to be a little bit of a red streak out there. I mean, Marty Golden's been in office now for how many years? Sixteen. Sixteen years he's been out there, and he's been and he was in the city council before that, and he's always been a Republican since being elected. Prior to that, he was a Democrat, but uh, he became a Republican before getting elected. And uh, so, why do you think that is? What what is going on out there in Bay Ridge that that people and uh, Bensonhurst that people vote Republican?
1: You know, um, it's I don't think so much that they vote Republican consistently. If you look at the turnout in voters um, throughout the last number of election cycles, Democrats running in Southern Brooklyn do incredibly well in this district. The average Democratic performance is fifty-seven percent. So Democrats consistently win in this district. Marty Golden has gone unchallenged for a large portion of his time Mm -hmm. while he's been in the state senate uh i would say he's only faced one semi serious challenge in all that time and that was probably my last race against him six years ago that was my next question because
0: you you ran Mm -hmm. against him in 2012 how'd you do back then
1: we got just under 43 percent of the vote um, no one thought we could do better than 30. I was 26 years old, two years out of law school, like, what did I know about doing this? Mm-hmm. But we, we, we proved to a lot of people that Golden was vulnerable and that Southern Brooklyn would elect and vote for uh, Democratic candidates.
0: So what makes you think that you can beat him this time around?
1: Uh, well, there's a number of factors. Number one, I think I'm a candidate with a lot more experience under my belt. Uh, A lot more um, community involvement, community engagement. I have a a, a bigger track record of service to the community. You mentioned some of it starting Bay Ridge Cares in the aftermath of Superstorm Sandy. Uh, I worked very closely with pedestrian safety groups in Bay Ridge to help secure the first citywide pilot program of speed cameras in school zones five years ago. We did that by protesting Golden's office because he refused to support the creation of the speed camera program five years ago. Mm -hmm. And we protested and picketed his office with baby strollers and shopping carts uh, until he relented. Um, And, you know, I've done a lot of grassroots organizing work with the Riders Alliance as well to improve our train service in southern Brooklyn. So I have a deeper uh, breadth of experience under my belt. We've built a stronger campaign, a broader coalition of support across the district. And the issues that we're running on are the same issues I ran on six years ago but they've only gotten worse. I mean, I I challenge anyone to find someone who says that their commute has gotten better on the R train or the N train or the D train at all in the last six years. It's impossible. Hmm. Or anyone that says that they feel safer crossing the street, um, it's impossible. Anyone that thinks that their property taxes have gotten lower or their rents have gotten lower. Hmm. Not not the case. So these are longstanding issues and longstanding challenges that Golden has not really addressed adequately or at all. And I think that now southern Brooklyn is hungry for someone who will finally tackle those issues.
0: All right. So you, you're running for state senate, and that, that kind of – and the things that you mentioned bring me right to my my next question is how does a state senator, you know, affect something that's happening uh, in the MTA, which is just, you know, uh, a, a big uh, authority that basically runs itself and only answers to the governor for the most part? How does – how how – you know, how is Marty Golden responsible for the R train? How would you be responsible for the R train? How is Marty Golden responsible for you know, property taxes in New York City that the, the, city, the city government controlled, not the state government? Well,
1: uh, you know, this probably surprises a lot of people, but Albany has more of a direct control over our day-to-day lives here in New York City than the city council or the mayor does. Uh, talking about the subways and buses, the MTA is a creation of state law. Uh, the the statute that creates the MTA was passed by the legislature. The statutes that define how the MTA governs itself and operates itself were passed by the legislature. The the legislature delegated that responsibility to the governor in appointing the board members. The legislature has a direct oversight responsibility over the MTA. Since the governor declared a state of emergency last June, the legislature has not held a single oversight hearing to address the MTA's funding crisis. Um, Not only that, Marty Golden sits on the MTA's capital review board. He is the the New York State Senate's representative, (laughs) statutory representative on the capital review board. If you look at the statute that defines the capital review board, their job is to oversee and approve all of the capital projects of the MTA. Look at what's happening across the city. Look at the fact that less than a quarter of all of our subway stations are accessible. Not a single station in our district is accessible right now. Look at the fact that we have a 100-year-old signaling network um, that has not been modernized. I think today Andy Byford is releasing his plan, 10-year plan, to modernize the signals. These are things that the legislature and the MTA Capital Review Board should have been leading on a decade ago. That's where I think I would have a lot of impact once I'm in the state senate to actually take leadership on these, on these key critical issues. The property tax system, the city um, manages and administers the property taxes here in New York City, but the property tax system that we all pay under is a creature of state law. It's, it dates back to a 1981 law passed by the legislature that defines the structures of the property tax system. And any reforms that are going to happen to property taxes need to come from Albany. You know, right now, we have this advisory commission that's been formed by the city council. They just had a hearing on Monday over uh, down the block at Borough Hall, and the advisory commission is going to make recommendations to the legislature, so the legislature can take, you know, statutory action to reform our property tax system.
0: But how would that, how could that ultimately affect the, the cost of, of property tax? I mean, we're just talking. It seems like you're talking about things that are like way in the background. How is it actually going to determine uh, what the tax is on Ridge Boulevard?
1: Well, so it's a direct, the, the system that we have right now is structured in a way so that uh, different classes of buildings um, are taxed differently, and there's a different formula used based on market values and resale values and property values and the assessments that the city makes, et cetera. It's a really complicated formula that creates these gross inequities so that people in certain parts of Brooklyn pay disproportionately more relative to the value of their homes than people in other parts of Brooklyn. I mean, there's a lawsuit that's being filed right now, that's in the courts right now, challenging the legality of the property tax system because of this. Um, so when we reform the system, we have to reform that formula that the legislature defined 40, 50 years ago, and make sure that you know things have changed. The realities on our ground, on the ground, has changed. Uh, in our neighborhoods, have changed. We need to update that formula to make sure that we keep things revenue neutral, but also that we are treating everyone across the city more equitably and fairly.
0: So how does the state senate update that formula? What what does it actually do? It has to
1: amend the 1981 law that was passed that defines the formula, and I don't have the full formula right, right, right. Uh, memorized, um, but they have to basically pass a law that amends that formula or writes a new one. You know that rescinds the old property tax system and creates a new one, and then that is the law that will be interpreted and administered by the New York City Department of Finance when they do their assessments and send their you know their quarterly bills out for property taxes across the city. But the Department of Finance is only operating under the the. The statutory authority that was given by the legislature in passing this law, you know, forty or fifty years ago. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Well, listen, I've opened this thing up, but I'm gonna I'm gonna hand it over to my bulldogs over here. I got the two Julianne's that are dying to ask you some questions. So, who wants to go first? Um,
2: you okay? Well, okay. We talked. We can you hear me? Yeah. yeah we talked ahead. about at the beginning of our conversation. We talked about the district. How this is a very specific district that. Uh, is it correct that Senator Golden had a hand in drawing the lines of the district? Is that? I, mean, I wrote
3: about that once. and I think that it ha- did have something s- to do. G- speak. I, <laughs> I, I <laughs> need <laughs> to <laughs> look up. Can I look up my old story? Well, I'm
1: exactly that wouldn't when, surprise can, me if Marty Golden had a hand in crafting his own district, block by block, we voter don't, by voter. Okay,
2: I'm. I personally, uh, in 2002, I was in second grade, so I have no idea. I, I don't. I don't know the background on oh, that. Look at it. But, um, you know, uh, is, is do, do you think that state politicians have a hand in controlling the lines of their own district or, sh- or you know, should they? Um, is there a better way to to, you know, have more equitable um, districts?
1: Um the answer is yes, they have, they uh-huh. have They have had a direct hand in drawing their own districts. No, they should not. Uh, I think that people should be choosing their own elected officials. Politicians should not be choosing their own voters. Um, that's something that I believe very firmly in. Uh, in 2012, the legislature and the governor passed, um, you know, a, a new independent redistricting commission that would take effect for the 2022 redistricting process um it's i think it's more of a quasi independent process to be frank you know the legislature has delegated authority to a new commission whose members will be appointed by the legislature. So it's not entirely independent. Uh-huh. Um, uh, it's a better start than having the legislators draw the lines themselves directly, You know, taking a map with a pencil and drawing out lines. I think California does a great job of creating a wholly independent commission. They use a citizens commission and they mm-hmm. randomly select citizens from the lottery mm-hmm. and they give them a staff of experts and they have them draw the district lines. And there's no politics involved in that. That's what this. That's what we should be aspiring towards.
2: So you support an independent commission, and would you support that commission redrawing this district in the future?
1: I think they should be redrawing all districts. I think that, mm-hmm. um, you know, their their charge, their task is to make sure that they are drawing district lines that are fair, equitable, have a proportional representation uh, relative to every other district. I mean, up until 2012, there was a lawsuit again on this. You know, some of the legislative districts in New York were wildly different in terms of population. Um, and that districts upstate had much less population than districts down here in the city, which actually favors, uh, upstate districts that have smaller population. And that violates the principle of one person, one vote. So uh, I'm in favor of anything that would make sure that we're adhering to the constitutional guarantee of one person, one vote, and that we have district lines that are drawn favorably and equitably, uh, for all. No citizen, no voter should have their voice disenfranchised because of gerrymandering. Mm.
0: But gerrymandering is legal, right? There's nothing. There's there's no there's there's no law that says you can't do what they do. In fact, I think it was started to help enfranchise voters that would otherwise be disenfranchised. I mean, so like, why isn't it? Why don't we just go back to or I don't know if we've ever been there, but why don't we just go? Back, New York City's based on a grid for the most part. Why don't? It's, why isn't it just a grid?
1: Uh, well, I know they're. There are certain boundaries and certain kind of restrictions that we operate under because of the history and systematic history of voter disenfranchisement and um, racial segregation in our communities, especially here in New York City, especially you know parts of Brooklyn for a long time. That's why we had to pass the Voting Rights Act to make sure, uh, and the Civil Rights Act 1964 and 1965, to make mm-hmm. sure that voters were no longer being disenfranchised. Uh, and so yes, we say that we want to make sure that people have... Um, an opportunity to elect candidates of their choice and we do that within a certain bound of norms Um, and that's fine but when you start drawing district lines and you cut districts that you know connect from one part to the other just you know catty corner streets in order to get to another block of you know certain partisan votes well that crosses the line and that's what we're trying to avoid here and trying to prevent uh, because that's not trying to end systematic discrimination that's trying to favor partisan politics Uh,
3: so it actually wasn't the 2002 redistricting, but um, I reported in 2000, about a 2013 where it was rumored that Golden actually helped redistrict some Staten Island council districts um, for some, like Jimmy Otto and Dan Halloran at the time. But anyway, so he's had, the Senator's had some scandals recently, but... Um, you know, representing southern Brooklyn for more than 20 years. Is there anything that he's done in that time that you agree with?
4: That's a good question.
1: Um, look, I don't want to take away Marty Golden's service from him. You know, he has represented the community for a long time. 20 years is a long time. You know, he served in the NYPD. I don't want to take that service away from him either. Uh, and this campaign is not about uh, poking flaws in Marty Golden uh, and just poking out all the things he's done wrong. Um, I think that I disagree with a lot of his policy positions. I think his policy positions are bad for Southern Brooklyn. Uh, and I think that his record of controversy speaks to the fact that he his values no longer align with the values of Southern Brooklyn. Uh, and the biggest thing for me is, look, mistakes happen, things happen. It, it, we judge people by how they respond to adversity and when you can't apologize you can't acknowledge mistakes that were made i think that speaks volumes about the character that senator golden has uh... and why i think we need new energy up in albany and and new ideas new perspectives that will bring that perspective
0: I think but I think the question was was there anything you agreed with Was there any like what's the greatest thing Marty Golden accomplished in his I mean he must have accomplished something
4: you, you ever been to one of his concerts that he sponsors
0: yeah I've been yeah. to the concerts concerts
1: are great you know what anyone can throw a concert in the park right I mean uh, that you know we were singing before we came on live we were singing here in the studio warming up the mics we can do a concert here if we wanted to I'll, I'll file for the park permit uh, not, I'll, it's on me don't worry um, so anyone could do those things I think what we need are people who go up to Albany uh, and actually have have a legislative record that's gonna help their communities um, and I do take strong issue with a lot of the things that Marty Golden has done with his legislative record for example you know four years ago he was the lead sponsor of a bill to give a 95% tax abatement to a luxury condo building on the west side of Manhattan the top penthouse there sold for hundred and fifteen million dollars you know who can afford a hundred and fifteen million dollar home and if you can somehow afford that you should pay the taxes on it I'm sorry you know who in southern Brooklyn is that benefiting Uh, In 2009, he was one of two members of the legislature, of two out of 213 people who voted against a bill called Ian's Law, which would have given consumer protections to patients with pre-existing conditions who were booted by their insurance companies. Uh, Who is that standing up for? I take serious issue with that type of legislative record.
0: But if he keeps... You know, pushing these things through, and he keeps getting reelected. I mean, what is what does that say about the the electorate? Is it they just don't know what he's doing up there, or they're just happy to go to yoga in the park?
1: I think you know part of that's what part of elections are about. Elections are about holding people accountable to power, uh, holding those in power accountable. And Marty Golden has spent more than half of his time in Albany unchallenged. election year after election year after election year. So voters have not had a chance to hold them accountable for a lot of these votes. That's partly what my campaign is about. It's about bringing to light all of the things he's done up in Albany, the things that he's not telling us that he's done, like voting against Ian's Law, like this 95% tax abatement, you know, like voting against the Fair Pay Act and voting against the Reproductive Health Act, and I can go on and on, uh, and giving voters an honest choice and say, look, you can either vote for the status quo, or you can vote for someone who's not going to vote against the interests of Southern Brooklyn.
2: And so, you know, we, we were mentioning some of Senator Golden, some of the events that Senator Golden is known for sponsoring the community. And some of the things that make him very popular in the right. community. The yoga in the park, the concerts, the uh, Easter egg hunts, the Christmas tree lighting. Senior he's idol. Senior idol. Yes. So he's very well known in the district. But, you know, um, is it a senator's job to, to bring money back to the district is is that the is that the biggest you know is that the main purpose that a state senator has or is it more than that what do you how do you think a state senator should be affecting the lives of of their constituents what's the job of a state senator
1: job of a state senator is to go to albany and pass bills that are going to that are going to make a difference in the lives of their constituents job of a state senator is to go to albany and fight to make sure that speed cameras get put into every single school zone to make sure that we are fully funding our public schools here in new york city after a judge issued a ruling saying that Albany had, for decades, shortchanged the New York City public school system. The job of a state senator is to codify codify issues like reproductive health uh, and choice in New York, which right now are criminalized were it not for Roe v. Wade. That's the job of a state senator. Um, anything on top of that is gravy. And I think it's great that Marty Golden puts on community events. I'm going to put on community events as well. We're, uh, we're going to be releasing later on today our community engagement platform, which is focused on things that we can do in the community to help bring the community together. We have great communities in southern Brooklyn. There's a lot more we can be doing to bring in new voices, new people, and making sure that we build strong, vibrant communities. But at the end of the day, we are hiring someone to do a job, and that job is to go to Albany and vote on legislation that's going to have a direct impact on our daily lives. And if you can't fulfill that basic job description, then you should not have that job.
0: Is that a full-time job, though?
1: Well, as defined by the legislature, it's it's a part-time job. Mm-hmm. Um, though I think if you do the job right, it should be a full-time job.
0: How so, though? I mean, it doesn't like I. I, I always want to know what is the state senator doing, you know, at, at from five o'clock. Well, from you know or during work hours, it's, it's like during uh, during bankers' hours. Is it you no know, ten to three? What's 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 the state senator doing all day?
1: I mean, there's a lot that should be done. I, I mentioned earlier how the legislature has not held a single oversight hearing over the MTA in the last year and a half since we've declared a state of emergency, a state of crisis, that's part of a state senator's job, is to conduct oversight hearings, it's to use the legislative process, conduct hearings to do fact-finding missions, um, You know, get more information on issues that are, that are affecting communities, drafting legislation, working through the legislative process, holding meetings, holding meetings with constituents, which Senator Golden just a few weeks ago refused to do. Uh, that you guys have covered, I think, as well. Um, That's what they should be doing. Um, A great example, we have, you know, in the state of New York, we have really weak laws around uh, sexual harassment protection. And, you know, the the legislature just passed some rules, some laws earlier this year that don't go nearly far enough. Um, And just last week, I joined with uh, hopefully some future colleagues of mine calling for open hearings to discuss the issue of sexual harassment in state government because we have example after example after example after example of state employees coming forward and telling their stories and not having a chance to have their their, um, their stories being treated seriously. Uh, that is definitely within the purview of a state senator's job description, and that has not happened yet.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we just asked you if it's a full-time job, and I know that based on city records, you make a substantial... Income right now with the borough president. Um, if you are elected, you'd be taking a pretty big pay cut. Would you get another job on the side? And if you did that, would you have enough time for your constituents and commuting? Up I have to no Albany?
1: plans other than to be a full-time state senator. That's the only thing that I'm doing. That's that's what I owe my constituents. Um, I'm not in this to make a salary. I'm in this to actually make a difference in the lives of my of my neighbors. Uh, and that's the only thing that matters to me. Mm-hmm.
4: Um. Y- you mentioned earlier uh, when we brought up, when we asked if there was something that uh, Golden has done that you agreed with, you, you kind of called him out for an inability to apologize when he does make a mistake. Uh, at, in, in the past, you had worked for uh, Senator Bob Menendez in New Jersey, who has a, a cloud over him, and that has been wiped out of your your the packaged bios that you send out. Uh, do you have anything to say about that?
1: Um, so, yeah, we um, when, when uh, I, I, I'm very proud of the work that I did working for Senator Menendez. I think I did really good work uh, down in D.C. Uh, I had a chance to work on Capitol Hill when I was young and going through law school. Uh, I helped draft legislation that strengthened the interstate child support enforcement system. Uh, that bill was introduced on a bipartisan basis into the U.S. Senate. Uh, I'm really proud of that fact. I got to co-lead an investigation into the release of the Lockerbie bomber by Scotland through the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, uh, and that was a six-month investigation. I'm incredibly pl- proud of that work, especially because 35 people from the state of New York were killed you know in the Pan Am crash uh, and 30 from the state of New Jersey so it really hit New York New Jersey particularly hard uh, I don't run away from that whatsoever uh, I'm constantly updating and revising my bio to take out things put in things um, you know I know we're live here and I know that I'm probably gonna regret saying this later on but you know in high school I was the high school mascot that's not in my bio either <laughs> right Like at one point I may have told that story when I was younger it's not in my bio things <laughs> change in bios which you know it's really about condensing and finding the things that are most pertinent uh... and most relevant to the job at hand uh... but i have no problem discussing the work i did for senator menendez i'm proud of that work uh... it's unfortunate what's happening with him uh... and what's happening what's happened over the last few years i played no role in that i had no part in that that was way above my pay grade um, but i think i still did good work and that's my goal is to do good work wherever I, wherever i happen to be employed well w- what was the mascot the tiger Okay. and may i say i was the best damn mascot fort Hamilton high school ever saw <laughs>
0: Yeah, the Fort Hamilton Tiger, famous uh, as mascots go across uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. across public school, uh, the, the New York City uh, public school. I club. went to
1: the regional competitions, and it, was, it went pretty well for me, but I couldn't advance to the national level.
0: <laughs> oh. That's too bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, right now we're only worried about state level, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. we'll see how it goes. Um, all right. So if you win, this is actually a really big election because this seat uh, could swing the balance of power. Uh, in Albany um, right now the, and for as long as I can remember for except very short period of time uh, the Democrats uh, have been the a minority party in the Senate and the majority party in the assembly and it always seemed like this is the way it was set up you know this is why uh, the seat was um, uh, the district was was set up the way it was set up because they actually it seemed like they wanted a Republican in this in this seat uh, but if you win this seat it's going to take the balance of power for the first time in a long time uh, over to the Democrats. So that would mean we would have a Democratic um, governor, because let's assume uh, Governor Cuomo uh, wins Mm -hmm. re-election. Uh, We would have a Democratic Assembly and we'd have a Democratic um, State Senate. So if that does become the case, what would uh, the first bill you'd want to write or help pass be? What's been sitting around for too long that you think needs to need that's been blocked by the Republicans that you that needs to get done.
1: Oh, I mean, there's there's a there's a huge list. I mean, the first piece of legislation that I want to support uh, when I get to Albany is public financing of elections. I think money is the single most corrosive influence in our political process. We have ever since Citizen United. We have hundreds of millions of dollars pouring in from special interests, dark money. Who knows where it's coming from? That's really playing a huge role uh, in our elections. Um, it shouldn't be. Last, the presidential election cost more than a billion. I think Hillary Clinton had to raise nearly a billion dollars for her campaign itself. That, think about how many school lunches you could you could buy with that kind of with the money spent you know, on campaigns. I think if we get rid of money out of politics, we can then start actually tackling all of the deep-seated issues that are, are on the table, environmental laws, education laws, healthcare laws, you know, you name it. There's just a huge list we can go down and talk about, and we can finally you know, limit the ability of special interests to pervert the process and pervert uh, legislative outcomes and have honest discussions about what the best policies are moving forward. Um, I mentioned briefly before about the Reproductive Health Act. That's a huge issue on the table because, you know, President Trump has made it very clear that he wants to only appoint judges who will overturn Roe v. Wade. He just got his way with Brett Kavanaugh. He forced him onto the court. Now we have a 6-3 conservative majority. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when Roe v. Wade will be overturned. state of New York criminalizes abortion. Criminalizes, sorry. Um, and were it not for Roe v. Wade, uh, women would not have the right to choose in the state of New York. So that is an incredibly important piece of legislation that the Republicans have blocked from passage year after year after year. The Child Victims Act, another piece of legislation that has refused to have been passed by the Republican majority uh, in the state Senate. This is a bill that would give you know, children who have been sexually harassed or assaulted their day in court uh, and right now the statute of limitations is wholly inadequate for them to come forward and tell their stories um again they refuse to pe- bring this bill up for a vote uh, and it, it's way past time that it does
3: can you explain um why you don't support the child victims fund i think there's some confusion amongst the difference between the act and the fund
0: Julian, you should you should Um, define it for our our listeners, what we're we're talking about. Okay,
3: so the fund would force the state to pay for victims who sued the church, right, instead of making the church pay? Correct. And then the act just increases the statute of limitations.
1: Correct. So it's not just the church. I want to be very clear. This is not just about about singling out one particular institution. I know that's on everyone's mind because we keep seeing these unfortunate stories come out. There was a reporting Gothamist this week about a church in Bay Ridge that had a a, a priest accused of sexual harassment um, and assault. Uh, But this is not about protecting one institution, this is about any uh, institution that houses uh, people or employs people who commit these acts. Uh, Correct, the Child Victims Fund would use state funds, state money, in order to compensate victims who um, you know have been uh, harassed, assaulted, or victimized uh, when they were children. And I don't think that the public should be on the hook to pay for the sins of others. I think if you commit something as heinous as child sexual assault, you should pay through the nose and you should face criminal charges for it as well. And that's exactly what the Child Victims Act would do. Right now, I believe the statute of limitations says you have to come forward by the time you're 23 years old. Um, we saw just you know just a couple of weeks ago with the Kavanaugh hearings, it's, it's so incredibly hard for people to come forward and tell their stories. Sometimes it takes years or decades for people to feel comfortable enough Um, And even if they're not comfortable enough for them still to find the courage to come forward and tell their stories. So requiring someone who may have been molested at the age of seven to tell their story just, you know, 10, 14 years later does not go far enough. We need to increase the statute of limitations. We also need to create a civil right of liability so that people who victimize uh, these children pay for it uh, as they should
0: so the fund isn't part of the bill or it's something that the 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 republicans want as part of the bill can you explain that?
1: it's a separate piece of it's a separate piece of legislation that instead of passing the child victims act the republicans are proposing the child victims fund which would have the state use state funds to compensate victims who um... who were sexually assaulted or molested or harassed.
0: and what is their rationale for that?
1: um... (laughs) Jesus I I have (laughs) no idea You know, I think part of it is uh, the Child Victims Act would also create a one-year look-back window for anyone who's, once the statute of limitations is extended, it creates one year for anyone who is currently outside of the statute of of the new statute of limitations, to have one year to file a case. And that seems to be garnering the most controversy, that people are afraid of opening up cans of worms and looking back. That seems to be the principal uh, source of objection to the Child Victims Act it's beyond me why we want to create different classes of people who can and cannot you know uh... vindicate their rights and adjudicate their rights uh... so i don't know why they are opposed to that and i don't know why they think that using the public dollars to pay people off instead is the right way to go does not seem like good public policy to
0: me Mm. so what do do you think the statute of limitations should be for i
1: think there should be no statute of limitations frankly uh... for any types of uh... sexual violence crimes uh... i think that it's really important that people know that they can use the halls of justice to um, tell their stories and get the justice that they deserve, and that we should not be putting a time limit on people to come forward.
0: Are there any laws that that deserve to have a statute of limitation?
1: Uh Yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense to have statutes of limitations for things. Um, Such as? I mean, I think, uh, you know, uh, uh, different types of th- uh, theft crimes, petty theft crimes, uh, burglary, robbery, um you know, d- different types of property crimes. I think it makes sense to have such limitations. It, it gets to a certain point where you just can't follow the evidence trail enough, uh, and that's based on evidence on the ground, evidence that you can have, or you can find, you know, that has forensic details that you can find or not find. But when it comes to spe- when it comes to crimes that relate to people's autonomy, their personal autonomy, and it relates to people's personhood, um, that that'll always be there, and you can't. You can't force people to come forward within a certain period of time to tell a story that they might not be able to tell. Um, you know, oftentimes but the problems with
0: evidence and stuff like that still exist. I mean, you're saying that it's okay. Uh, you're not going to be able to trace these things with. And I think you know the Kavanaugh case actually kind of just kind of bared out a little. I mean, the FBI. I don't know how what type of mm-hmm. investigation they actually mm-hmm. did, but it, I'm sure it'd be very difficult to find evidence of of what happened other than you know. One person saying it did, and one person saying it didn't. Corroborating witnesses, though. Sure, I mean, that, that's what the that's what the purpose
1: of our legal system is. Our the legal system is a fact finding um, institution. It's meant to find fact. When you bring criminal cases, you know the whole point of having a criminal trial. That's the, that's the job of a jury. is to determine fact. The ju- the juries are uh, the triers of fact. Um, we you want people to have every opportunity to come forward and tell their stories, and then it's incumbent upon you know, the DA's office and the prosecutors to muster a case and see if they can find enough evidence to make a case beyond a reasonable doubt that someone did or did not do something. And even for civil crimes, you know, a, a civil liability, you have to have a preponderance of the evidence to show that it's more likely or not that something did happen. You still have to make a showing of evidence. So we're not talking about lowering the standards by which evidence needs to be proven or, or demonstrated. We're just saying that people should have more time to come forward and tell their stories mm-hmm. um, and to be able to have access to. To the justice system because right now they
4: don't. Uh, g- getting back to to control of the, of the chamber, um, the even after the independent Democratic caucus dissolved, the Republicans still maintained control because of fellow Brooklynite Simka Felder, who is nominally a Democrat, uh, who caucuses with the Republicans. He's a Democrat
0: name only? Yes,
4: it's it's safe it's a, to say. uh, But now there's a a reasonable chance that Democrats will win enough seats in the next Senate to control the the, the chamber without Simca's vote. Um, He may, in that case, want to rejoin the Democratic caucus. Uh, Two questions. Would you support him coming into a majority Democratic caucus? Second uh, follow-up, would you let him sit at your table in the lunchroom? I'll take those
1: questions in reverse order. Uh, I'm a big believer of uh, having a seat at my table for everybody, and I will sit with everybody and talk with everybody uh, whether or not we agree on politics, on baseball, or on the weather. Um, that's how my parents raised me. That's really important to me. Um, whether or not he should be in the Democratic conference, that's really a question for the entire conference to discuss. Um, and, you know, that's, that's, that hopefully that'll be 40 of us, you know, deliberating that question come January 1st.
3: Uh, you mentioned at a previous forum that you think elections serve as sufficient term limits, um, you know. But if it were up to you, those term limits would have kicked Marty out a long time ago. So, like, they may not be working. Um, if he is reelected, would you support his right to continue running for the seat indefinitely, or would you then turn back and say, "No, we need term limits"?
1: I think that elections are about trusting the voters. And I, you win, lose, or draw, I have to respect what the voters decide this November 6th. Uh, I think that we can do a lot more to make it easier for people to vote so they can hold their elected officials uh, accountable. New York has some of the worst voting laws in the country. Uh, you know, between issues of voter registration and issues of, you know, absentee ballots and, you know, trying to change your registration from one party to the other 10 months before the election. Like, these laws are so Byzantine and antiquated, it makes people very, very frustrated when they try to exercise their constitutional right to vote, and we are systematically you know, disenfranchising them, um, knowingly or unknowingly, um, from being able to participate in the political process. I'm of the belief that everyone should be voting in every single election, and everyone should know everything about every candidate on the ballot. I'm a true believer in that. Um, you know, I carry a copy of the Constitution in my wallet, because I, I just... That's the kind of nerd that I am. Um, so it's, I think it's good for democracy if everyone participates, and everyone participates all the time, and they hold their elected officials accountable every single election cycle. And if they make choices that I don't disagree with, you have to respect the voters' choices. But we should be making it easier for them to exercise that right in the first place. That's really what I think is, is, is lacking in our current political process.
3: The state or U.S. Constitution, or both?
1: In my wallet, it's the U.S. Constitution, the state constitution. I don't is, think it would fit in your wallet. It's fifty-five thousand words. Uh, I think you need like four or five volumes to, in order to. And I, if I had a big enough backpack, maybe, or maybe I'm like, I have not found the Kindle version yet. Um, uh, I haven't looked very hard, but I haven't seen it yet. But if I find the Kindle version, I'd be happy to download it. Um, it's quite a mess. The state constitution is quite a mess. That's for sure.
0: When were they – were they going to allow – what was it? They were going to allow – The
3: convention yeah, last th- election. Yeah, and
0: election. That, that was voted – I was all for that. I was when all for opening it up. Were what you for were opening you? it up or were
1: you uh, – No, I was not, I, I think. Uh, but I have a reason for it. Um, I think that our constitution is quite a mess, and if you uh, if you actually dive into – But the it's our text, mess. But it's our mess, right. But you know what? The constitution also – and this gets back to what I was saying earlier about money and politics. Um, the, this, the process by which delegates would have been chosen to actually um, – uh, reform or revise or amend the Constitution uh, was a process that I did not fully trust. The delegate selection process really worried me and in this age of dark money, of unlimited what was, money. What was wrong with it? it? Basically, you'd have three delegates for every Senate district uh, have to run for election um, you know, independently and then be chosen by the voters in their district in order to be then selected as the delegates. My concern with that is the influx of unlimited money dark money special interest money you know independent expenditure money tilting the scales and you know propping up candidates who may or may not have had the best interests of their constituency
0: But isn't uh, that always going to be the case isn't there always going to be a way doesn't money like like water find a way to make it work in a, the way it wants to work
1: Well when we're talking about the constitution that provides all these guarantees and protections in the state of New York that's that's too much at risk to to jeopardize in that way.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I always feel that change uh, brings opportunity. That's the way I look
1: I, at it. And I agree. As long as we can make sure that it's done safely and mm-hmm. properly, and not without the you know corrosive influence of people who don't have our best interests at heart.
0: Yeah, they're always hanging out there. They're always out there. But you know, all right. Anything else, Bill? Uh, no. Look at wow! I got it. it's very rare that the, the Bill oh, bill's, that. that Bill uh, has has.
4: After I said I was the mascot, that just shut him down, yeah. and he
1: had nothing else to say. <laughs> you know, he, st- he was stunned.
0: All,
4: all, although, to you, Vince, I would say that uh, that it change is an opportunity, but an opportunity for what is the
0: question? It the could map. it could be good opportunity. It could be. Are you asking yeah. me? Or are I'm, you?
4: I'm, I'm I'm just saying that once you uh, once you open up the Constitution uh, to to be messed with, then you know you don't know what might be taken out or put in that you don't want to change.
0: Yeah, but wasn't there an undo? I think there was like an undo uh, where they said ah, if it didn't work out they would just they would just leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I thought I think there was an undo button on that one. Oh, but I wish.
3: But if if you guys opened it up if the Senate had a majority, wouldn't that be would you support
1: no, so it's not about the it's not about the who holds the power in the chamber because uh-huh. these would be independent elections to choose the delegates. Oh, okay. And yeah, but but what about if we got public financing of all elections through first? If we got public financing of all elections, including the the elections to select delegates for the constitutional convention, uh, then I would be very much in favor and open to the idea of having um, a, a wholesale revision and a wholesale look at our constitution. All fifty five thousand plus words. There so the
2: the speed camera bill has also been a, a big um point of contention uh and more broadly you know street safety in general has been an issue that's popped up you know even particularly as it relates to Senator Golden who's um you know racked up speed speeding tickets and was accused of impersonating a police Let's officer. Let's be clear his
0: car racked up speeding tickets. We don't yes. know who was driving. Yes his car racked Let's up be speeding fair. tickets.
2: Um, so, so that's certainly been in, an issue that uh, constituents in in the district are concerned with. So, beyond um, supporting uh, the the bill that would preserve and expand the speed camera program, what are some of the other measures you'd you'd support and push for to ensure greater safety for pedestrians, cyclists, and drivers?
1: That's a great question. And it's one of the main planks of my platform. I've put out a whole seven part pedestrian safety platform in my campaign Uh, and this is an issue that's near and dear to my heart because my family lost a loved one to a traffic crash many years ago, so Mm -hmm. it's something that intrinsically um, really moves me and and, and, uh, inspires me to focus on this. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, aside from putting speed cameras in every school zone, I think we can do a much better job at focusing on road redesigns to keep our streets safe. Look at the example at Ninth Street that happened in Park Slope this past spring and the changes that the DOT put in place there to keep that intersection, which is a high traffic and uh, pretty dangerous intersection already, to make it safer. We could be doing a lot more of that. You know, DOT has, has identified 35 priority corridors and intersections in my Senate district um, that are priority areas for road redesign that have not yet been tackled yet. Uh, so we are way behind in making sure that we are putting in the structural changes necessary to keep each of these roadways safe. I think we should be taking away driver's licenses from people who have a demonstrated history of reckless driving like the woman in Park Slope who had a you know a driver's record that was quite horrendous like Senator golden's driving record I mean 14 14 speeding tickets in four years you should not be on the road I'm sorry you so should not he, be on the road
2: he should his driving his driver's license should be revoked
1: absolutely should be revoked wow he is not that is that is not safe mm-hmm. uh, driving and that is not a great example talking about values that is not a great example to be setting for your constituents um, at all. Um, you know that that's that's a danger to our community. Um, last year, pedestrian fatalities in Brooklyn were up by twelve percent. Fifty-seven people lost loved ones to traffic crashes last year, and though Vision Zero has been successful across the city, that's fifty-seven families too too many, uh, and th- these are preventable. We can do a much better job at preventing this. So I think that anyone who has a a, a a reckless driving record like that, the length of a CVS receipt, should have their licenses suspended and removed. Um, and I those CVS
0: receipts can be long, and they God. can be long, yes. right? So, Um, wait, are you a driver? I am a driver. And uh, you've been driving since you're 17? Uh, Yes, 17. And uh, do you have any uh, traffic violations?
1: I have one speeding ticket that I got when I was 21 years old on the highway, and that's the first and last time I I ever got a speeding ticket.
0: Yeah, where were you going?
1: I was... I'm the Gowanus Expressway, and
0: I think I was... On oh, the Gowanus? I'm How do you get Gowanus. pulled over on the Gowanus? There's no cops.
1: There, there, there was a cop, because I got caught. I was coming, I was going uh, towards the Verrazano Bridge, and I got caught, I guess, taking a turn too fast, and I got caught at speed. Oh, up. whoa,
0: whoa, whoa, so you were down down where it, where it lowers into, into yeah. Bay Ridge over yeah. there. Yeah, they sit right over there on yep. the right-hand side. Didn't you know that? Yeah.
1: I was 21 years old. You know, I thought I was invincible. And I made a mistake, and I learned from it, and I haven't been speeding since. Yeah, your mistake was heading for Staten Island. Stay in Brooklyn. (laughs) I have family in Staten Island, you know, so I I have to give them some love.
0: Well, yeah, the bridge is very expensive. It's a beautiful Um,
1: bridge, though. I mean, gorgeous piece of architecture and engineering.
0: Well, what they were trying to do was build something really big, but not make it take up a lot of space That was what yeah. they were. that's what they were going for with that bridge the minimalist yeah. aesthetic
1: I know yes right. so it
0: was uh, Oth- Othman? Othman what was his name I know the guy who designed the bridge I don't know him personally but I know all about I know everything you need to know about that bridge <laughs> I do I do wasn't
1: there a book written about the bridge uh, the oh, bridge. bridge the bridge yeah right yeah <laughs> got the yeah right
0: that's Elise. oh so listen you were endorsed by Alyssa Milano I am speaking of Staten Island now have you accepted that endorsement
1: I have now
0: yeah. th- have you talked to her has she given you a call
1: no, not yet. We've been emailing. Uh, she's been emailing with my team, and we've been trying to set up a time for her and I to get together and have a conversation either in person or over the phone. Or um, uh, on Brooklyn or, Paper Radio. Or on Brooklyn Paper Radio. Okay. Uh, sure. Um, I think that would be great. But she, uh, yeah, she's a Bensonhurst uh, native, listen, and listen, listen. proud she's to have
0: her support. From, she's from Staten Island. She ah. likes to say she's from Brooklyn, but she's from Staten Island. I think I, we've done the research on this. We have. No, we have.
1: Have you have you found her birth certificate? Are we back <laughs> to the bir- are we back to the birther era <laughs> now? have to look it up. Are we going to be birthering? <laughs> You're every? a Staten Islander.
0: I think she grew up in Great Kills. I'm 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 pretty confident Vin- with Vin- Ricky Vin- Schroeder Vin- or is Schreiber. Alyssa Truther. <laughs> yes, yes. No, I, well, no comment. Uh, we've had Tony Danza on the show, so it'd be nice to complete that circle and have sure. Alyssa Milano on the show. You know, I think it's,
1: anything uh, I can do to help make that happen for you guys—that's what
0: we're doing right here. Sure. That's the only reason we brought you here. Sure. <laughs> Was to get Alyssa Milano on the show. My wife is a huge fan of the uh, the Charmed. The Charmed ones. Power of Three. Power of Three. Did you watch that, Julianne Cuba? No. You didn't watch Charmed?
4: No.
0: Yeah. Did you watch Charmed? No. Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm the only one. I'm the only one who admits it. Okay, there we go. I got I got one. All right. Uh, who's next? I love it when we have a lull. Nothing like dead air. Uh, what do you got? Oh, are we up to lightning round yet? I think we can maybe we can get one more in, and then we'll go to our lightning round. Everyone's huddled together.
1: Trying to make it really good. Uh, eager anticipation. Here we go. Well,
4: what's your?
0: F- oh, what, what's your favorite
4: Albany scandal? I, I know it's hard to choose. Ah. <sighs>
3: Not just Goldens,
1: anyone. Anyone, wow. Now we've really opened it up to the, you know, the entire New York State legislature there. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest scandal facing Albany is the failure of the legislature to adequately address the issue of sexual harassment in government. Uh, and I think the failure year after year after year um, that is slowly starting to change but for decades has not um, to address the problem of people in power, abusing that power and sexually harassing and assaulting people in their employ. Uh, or other people in state government, is something that needs to be wholly addressed. Um, It's why I was calling for open hearings into this issue on the steps of City Hall just last week. Um, You know, it's easy to focus on corruption scandals. It's easy to focus on where the money's going and who's getting paid off and this and that. But I think the fact that we have not addressed this very, very serious problem after years and years of examples um, is is a shame that needs to be rectified.
0: Hmm. All right. Did that answer your question? Yes. All right, are we ready for the lightning round?
1: When uh, do I get to ask the questions? I'm just kidding. Right, okay. You know, at the end. Okay, yeah. At the end, you can after, go right we, around. after we turn the, the recording off, I get to ask the you questions. No, you can yeah. go
0: right you <laughs> can go around the room. We we're not uh, we're not afraid of uh, of anything. All right. So now is our our patented lightning round. We have patented this. This is not used on any other uh, radio show or or talk with politicians, but this is where we just ask you questions and you're going to just the first thing that comes into your head. All right? And we we're, we're hoping to do a better job than Michael K on uh Geography, or whatever <laughs> show he has. Okay. All right. You ready? Uh, favorite restaurant in Brooklyn. Go.
1: Ooh, uh, it's gotta be it gotta be Casa Calamari. Oh, like uh, Casa Calamari. Yeah.
0: There's there's two there's two of them though. You the one in uh, the one in, well, in Bay Ridge s- around the corner from my I house. Don't know if the one in Bentonhurst is still there. Okay. Casa Calamari. What's your favorite food there?
1: Uh, their square slices are fantastic.
0: You get the square slice. Okay. Casa Calamari square. Have you had that? No. no? no. Nobody. Nobody. No. I've been. I've been. What are yeah. you going to do? Did you have the
4: square slice?
0: Um, no, I had the calamari. Oh, okay. I mean, as, Leo, I, as I call it, calamari.
1: Leo has some pretty fantastic slices, so you got to uh, go Leo at Casa Calamari. Got to go for is. the squares. All right. I hope he's listening, and I hope he gives me a free slice. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Favorite movie?
1: Um, it's, a to- it's a toss-up between Casablanca and Young Frankenstein.
0: Casablanca. Those are two completely different movies outside of the fact that they're both in black and white. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you like black and white movies?
1: I like those two movies. Okay, those two (laughs) black and white
0: movies. Favorite color movie. Favorite
1: color movie. (laughs) Jesus, I don't even know how to
0: pick that. This is so easy. I just handed it to you.
1: I know, but there's so many movies to choose from. I I mean, I don't even know where to begin. Well, if
0: I were to say color movie, what's the first color movie you would think of?
1: The first colored movie I would think
0: of. The first colored movie you would think of. I mean, it's so easy. Purple. No. (laughs) The color purple. (laughs) Well, no, you, know, you say The Wizard of Oz, because then you get the best the of well, both worlds. They, oh, mm-hmm. very, very black and That's the political answer. Yeah, that's Wizard The Wizard of yeah, Oz. Okay,
1: let's go with The Wizard of Oz.
0: Okay, there you go. Last book you read.
1: The Leavers.
0: <laughs> uh, who wrote it?
1: Um, uh, I think her name was Lisa Ko. What's it about? It's about um, it's about an, uh, a woman who comes from China and lives in New York City. She's undocumented. She has a child here, and she works in you know, a nail salon. She raises her child by herself. She gets deported, her son gets put into foster care, is ended, and ultimately adopted by uh, a family upstate, and it kind of explores the idea of culture and identity uh, and immigration in New York City. A fascinating book. I think it was a National Book Award finalist. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really explored a lot of great issues. Um, and given the climate we're living in, really a great book to read. I highly recommend it.
0: Was it Kindle or was that in... Uh, that was uh, a paperback you read The paperback? Yeah. No, you can put it in your version. back pocket. All right. Uh, is the press the enemy of the people?
1: Is the press the enemy of the people? No.
0: No, you sure? I'm positive. Okay. So if we make phone calls and ask you questions and stuff like that, if you get into office, you'll take That's it. That's my job. All right. Can we have? I think s-
1: I've been a, done a pretty good job of responding to you guys. And, mm-hmm. A lot mm-hmm. of people do yeah. very
0: good jobs of yeah. responding to us when they're running for office. Yeah. A <laughs> lot of people do. I'm going to be perfectly fair. But then once they get in, they're like. Oh, that question.
1: Then it's my staff's fault. No, of course. I think, I think there's an important role to be played in holding people accountable and... And pointing fingers. And pointing fingers, <laughs> right.
3: Will you give us your cell phone?
1: Will I give you my cell... Over there? <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> no, you can write it out on a post.
3: <laughs> I mean,
1: I think that your reporters already have my cell phone number, so I yeah, think it's okay. St-
3: your state phone one. You, won't you get another one? Or?
1: I mean, I haven't figured out my, my wireless plan yet okay. past November 6th, <laughs> so let's... <laughs> It's a safe bet that I'm going to keep the phone that I that I've kept for the last you know ten plus years. I've had
0: numbers get changed on me. I remember one time I called Sal Albanese and he was on a way like he was on his way to like New York one, and something broke, and I'm like, Sal, it's Vinny, what's going on? And he was like, What the hell do you mean? What's going on? Who is this? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it it all worked out in the end. So it's always nice to have the cell phone number, and I tell my reporters to always get the cell phone numbers of their elected officials, and some of them give it to him and some of them don't.
3: And then some give it to us and don't answer. But Yeah,
0: well, that happens as well.
1: But I can yeah. see that your reporters are very good about reaching out to me uh, when they need to hear from me on my cell phone.
0: Now, this is an easy one. Does global warming exist, and if so, is it caused by, burning fo- by humans burning fossil fuels?
1: Well, this is an area where Marty Golden and I disagree. Mm. I believe the answer is yes.
0: You do believe that it exists and that humans yes are causing bo- it?
1: Yes. I cannot I say know. the same for Marty Golden's beliefs, um, but I agree that it is caused by... Uh, fossil fuels.
0: Fossil fuel burning. That's what they're saying. That's what the scientists are saying, Bill. You believe it? Oh,
1: oh yeah, yeah. I've heard that. People say that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 99% of all scientists say that. So that's a pretty safe bet that they're right. Uh, If anyone needs more proof, read the book, The Sixth Extinction. It's terrifying and it's happening and uh, we should all be worried. There you
0: go. We should all be worried about that. All right. So I think we've reached the end of our speed round. So now it is uh, the policy of uh, Brooklyn Paper Radio to leave the microphone open to you. Are there any questions you have for us? Is there anything that we missed that you wanted to talk about? We're going to give you the time to do that right now. Andrew Goodnardis, go.
1: Great. Well, uh, I do appreciate the chance to come on here and talk about the campaign. I know uh, campaigns and elections are often pitting one candidate versus another, and so inevitably a lot of the discussions about why I think Marty Golden has not lived up to his responsibility as a state senator. But this race is not just about Marty Golden. This race is about what I think the future of Southern Brooklyn should be about. I've put out 18 different campaign platforms. We're going to put out a 19th one today full of ideas about what I think we can do in Southern Brooklyn and across the city to make a difference for people. I'm excited about having new ideas to talk about. I want to build a brand new waterfront park along the Southern Brooklyn waterfront uh, that would rival Brooklyn Bridge Park or the Hudson River Parkway or East River Blue Way. All we have right now is a patch of grass and a slab of asphalt. We can do so much better.
0: Are
1: mm-hmm. um, talking about Shore Road Park? I'm talking about the promenade, the bike promenade, oh, from well, the pier all the way out to Coney Island. I want to expand it. Okay. Um, I want to make New York State the first state in the country to constitutionally guarantee free, quality public education from pre-K all the way through college, I think it's a game changer in how we view our public education system, and it's the net, it's the best investment we can make in the next generation. Um, I want to create a GI Bill for seniors because as seniors are retiring, they can either go back to school, pick up another degree, or they can go for job retraining. I mean, there's so much, so much potential there that we could be doing. So I want to help support seniors by by investing in them as well, uh, and a whole host of other things. So I really want to make clear this campaign is not just about where I think Marty Golden has failed. I think it's about proposing new ideas and new solutions for our neighborhood that'll help take us through the rest of the 21st century. And um, I'm very proud of the campaign that we've run so far on these new ideas. Uh, And I'm excited by the response we're getting from people as well.
0: There you go. Are you going to say something, Bill? I saw you were about to uh, say uh, something.
4: that's a good answer. (laughs)
0: That's a good answer. Would
3: the um, park that you want to emulate about Brooklyn Bridge Park come with the same amount of controversy as... Yep, public, the one private, that hasn't. partnership.
1: Yeah, so I don't think it would. The model I'm looking at, I use Brooklyn Bridge Park because everyone, it's a, it's a tourist attraction because it's a beautiful draw, and I mean. I think the southern Brooklyn waterfront is just as beautiful, um, especially that view of the Verrazano when it's either sunrise or sunset. Um, there's not enough space to put housing there, clearly. Um, it's a really a narrow strip uh, on which we have to really develop for a parkland. The model that I'm looking at is more like the Brooklyn Greenway Initiative model that currently is being built from Newtown Creek all the way to the northern terminus of Alicehead Park. Um, you know, they, they combine a co- it's a combination of public and private financing in order to make road improvements and design improvements and sustainability and resiliency improvements to the waterfront space um, for pedestrians and cyclists and, and others as well. That's really what I'm looking for. Uh, I'm not looking to create luxury housing on the on, on the Belt Parkway because there's no <laughs> place to put luxury housing on the Belt Parkway. We don't need more luxury housing. We need more affordable housing. We need more senior housing. We need more. You know, I want to create a first time home buyer. This is another idea. First-time home buyers, um, uh, first. Hold on, let me get this right. It's the first-time uh, home buyers uh, savings program. Uh, so, let you save tax-free for your first first down payment. Like we let you save for your college savings accounts, five twenty-nine accounts. I think we should do the same thing for your first for your first down payment for your first home. That's what I'm really focusing on uh, are those types of opportunities and nothing about luxury or controversy or things like that.
0: Ooh, no controversy. Fantastic. Can you right, imagine?
1: An so uh, elected official with no controversy. That's my <laughs> pledge. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. So the last question, of course, that I forgot to ask earlier in the lightning round was Donald Trump, great president or greatest president ever? Go.
3: Oh,
1: <laughs> mm. uh, neither. N- none of the above. We're going we're gonna to take that option. Uh, very, very disappointed with what I've seen President Trump do, and I think that his actions are not the actions of a president of the United States.
0: Well, there you go. All right, well, listen, I want to thank Andrew Gennardis for taking the time to come to us to talk about his campaign uh, to become the state senator uh, from the swath of land from Bay Ridge all the way out to Marine Park and Mill, Base. Mill Basin. Yeah. No. Basin no, no, just just shy Just shy a little bit. But Garrison Beach?
1: Garrison Beach, Marine Park, yeah. All
0: right. And you know uh, Garrison Avenue with the uh with the with the new uh pedestrian yeah. uh what do you call it? You're gonna shoot any videos out there? Are you planning <laughs> on that? Uh
1: I I am not gonna go onto a safe pedestrian island and say this is unsafe while I'm <laughs> staying safe. Okay. No.
0: I was just wondering about um,
1: that. Um, <laughs> oh, thing I forgot to mention, oh. I actually we released this just two days ago, so it's somewhat news, uh, but we haven't broadcast it yet. Uh, I'm also calling for the creation of a new specialized high school in Southern Brooklyn. A specialized
0: high school, yeah, like we have you specialized know, how st- st- st-
1: st- like Stuyvesant, Brooklyn Tech, Bronx ah. Science. I think there should be one in Southern Brooklyn. Twenty-five percent of the specialized high school comes from Southern uh, specialized high school students come from Southern dish- um, districts 20, 21 and twenty-two, uh, and obviously the mayor's plan is in the news uh, uh, constantly. is in the paper today as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we should have more specialized seats, and that includes a new high school in Southern Brooklyn. Um, for, for uh, specialized high schools.
0: All right. So I want to thank again Andrew Ganardis for coming out here, taking <laughs> the time today to come to beautiful downtown Brooklyn, America's downtown, to talk with us on Brooklyn Paper Radio. I want to thank Bill Egbert for sitting next to me and the two Juliannes, Cuba and McShane. And I want to thank you for listening to this special edition of Brooklyn Paper Radio. And uh, I believe we'll be back on Tuesday, and you can hear this uh, the rest of the week. So thanks again, and we'll see you then. Bye.